0: Podcasts. It's real simple, you know. If you take a person's legs away, they can't run.
3: Bear down, baby. Yeah, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the
2: North with your hosts David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're gonna take the North and never give it back.
1: Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. I'm David Haw from Six Seventy The Score and the Mullin Haw Show. Dan Weider from the Chicago Tribune. Dropping on this Friday morning, days before the Bears play the Chiefs Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Dan, it has been a busy week. It got a little bit newsier today. We'll get to all of the
0: stuff and all of the things. How you holding up? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, like this is a eventful week. It's a news-filled week. There's a lot more ahead of us. Uh, there's a lot more ahead of this football team. I, I'm I'm good overall. I'll, I'll pour myself a pretty stiff bourbon uh, before the the week's up, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get ourselves decompressed. A little concerned about this podcast. I am
1: very overdressed, so I have television responsibilities at football night <laughs> in Chicago. I'm a little worried about being a little too tight for this podcast. I just don't feel as free and instinctive as I typically do. And I know that you have coached me a lot of what to say and what I can't say. I'm a little concerned about saying anything that makes any sense at all.
0: You're talking a little bit robotic right now. And I, <laughs> I don't know what we do with that. Uh, for the for you, you look uh, very snazzy, obviously, uh, in your your t- tie. I'm here in the Hellis Hall coat closet, which for <laughs> those who used to follow the the Bear Download podcast, this was a regular recording space. And here I am in a dimly lit closet. We'll see if uh, if they let me out. I'm, That's where I heard finish. Rich
1: Rich Campbell used to meet secret sources in that coat closet. <laughs> Closet. So right it's there. full with hangers. All right. Stay away from sharp objects, especially <laughs> this week. So let's get started with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. Love that sound effect. All right. Ryan Poles decided to step out and to get behind the microphone to try to stem the tide of negativity. Those are my words, not his. But this was crisis management, uh, bear style. And the general manager decided to address The Bears media at House Hall on Thursday morning. What was your impression of number one, that decision to step forward and to hear from Ryan Poles and not necessarily Kevin Warren? And secondly, Dan. What did you think of the content of his comments?
0: Yeah, you know, it was brief, but I thought there was some savvy there with Ryan understanding that, look, like this is a turbulent week. There's been a lot of turmoil to, to sift through here at Hallis Hall. And as the leader of the football operation, you have to go ahead and, and, and calm things down. You have to be a voice of steadiness. You have to project uh, what we've been asking for for a little while here is that that somebody is managing things and controlling things and, and, and hopefully putting things on a track where uh, you're going forward rather than backwards and sideways and into uh, the circus tents like they've been in here recently. And so I thought it was smart of Ryan to, to get out in front and, and speak. I thought he was, uh, as he usually is, pretty um, to the point and direct with some of his I- emotions and sentiments. He said uh, what he wanted to say. He didn't say what he couldn't say. And, and I thought overall he, he tried to at least outwardly project that, hey, we're, we're going to get this thing figured out. And there is a level of, uh, of calm and stability uh, amid all of this turbulence.
1: What do you think it was that maybe compelled him to want to get on the record with what he thought? Was it the Allen Williams resignation, which he didn't have much to say about? We'll hear from him in a moment on that specifically. Or was it the quarterback kind of saying something, walking it back? And and it may be showing a little bit of his inexperience because I think in both cases, you can make the argument, and it's a good debate at House this week, which the most was the most significant in terms of, affecting the, the the tone of the fan base or the, the the mood of the team. Why do you think that – or was it a combination of everything?
0: Look, I think uh, it's been pretty well established that Wednesday was a very abnormal day, and I think it was an acknowledgement by the Bears that, yes, this was a very abnormal day with the way things unfolded with the quarterback, with the defensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, it's in the midst of an 0-2 start, which is in the midst of a 12-game losing streak. And so, yeah, I think all those factors together created a situation where uh, leadership has to step forward, and Leadership has to uh, obviously internally project a, a, a sense of stability and then outwardly you have to project a sense of stability. And I think Ryan recognized that this moment couldn't be uh, hidden from. I think obviously it's a, a departure from what Ryan Pace's MO was when he, when he was in the same chair here in this building. I think uh, on that level, I, I would imagine there's a lot of people in the fan base and in our audience that are refreshed that the general manager feels comfortable enough to sit on that stage to offer his thoughts and then to take questions no matter how uh, satisfying the response are to some of them. I think it's a it, it's a good move, and it, and it was one that he he uh, executed gracefully today.
1: Yeah, I'll say that he did. He does get credit for stepping forward. I, I still feel a little bit like there's some unresolved issues in the, oh, a little questions. little bit. Yeah. Okay. The, the 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 way the Alan Williams story that story ain't over, David. <laughs> yeah, I, I sense that, and it doesn't smell right. But I do think it. it in fairness. This is what Ryan Poles, the general manager, had to say when he did address a question about Alan Williams' resignation on Thursday at House Hall.
2: In terms of Alan, uh, I don't have many details to add there. Um, we try to work in truth. Um, and I know there's a ton of misinformation out there um, yesterday. Uh, we talked about like, House Hall being raided. That was completely false. Don't even know where that came from. Uh, worked with Kevin and George, all of our leadership, um, to make sure um, we had – We're handling it the right way, communicating properly. Um, And then obviously everything concluded yesterday. But we have a ton of confidence in our plan moving forward.
1: ton of confidence in the plan moving forward, whether that means hiring a defensive coordinator or promoting someone from the staff or hiring somebody from the outside. Those are details we'll find out probably more next week once they get through this part of the storm. But, Dan, I think it just underscored the sensitivity with which people need to talk about this resignation, even though we both acknowledge and understand and know that there's more to it coming.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, without question, there is more to it coming. And and obviously you have to sift through some of the stuff that is out there. I don't know if you watched the five minute Pat McAfee show video on, on Thursday afternoon. That's one that I, probably we will not touch right here other than to say, hey, go watch that Pat McAfee video if you think that there's not anything brewing here. But uh, I would also say th- that the reaction of the coaching staff here uh, and the reaction of the players in the locker room has been abnormal as it relates to the Allen Williams situation. And 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 so uh, would I want to play dodgeball with these guys? I would. They're very good at, at, at dodging around some of this. Would I want to play poker uh, against them? Probably yes to that also because they're not real good at, at, at hiding their cards here. Probably most notable on a day of, of people uh, being evasive to questions about Allen Williams was Dave Borganzi, the linebackers coach, late this afternoon. Dave Borganzi has coached with Allen Williams for the last six seasons in Indianapolis and Chicago, and he was asked directly by Ryan Marini, if he had any well wishes or thoughts for Alan Williams after his resignation on Wednesday, and he said, Really, the focus is the Chiefs. Okay, yeah. I, I would hate to get sick and have my uh, closest co workers and, and, and peers say, Really, our focus is on the Chiefs. When you have, unless there was something else going on,
1: yeah, exactly. When you have somebody re- resigns and cites family and health issues, and then you have some of his closest friends not willing to step out and support him if they were indeed. Family and health issues only—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's bizarre and it, radioactive was the the word I used. Right? Uh, yeah, th- that's that's I think it's a good word because the Bears are saying so much with what they're not saying, and it's just something to keep an eye on responsibly because I think that you know the Bears can't claim and lash out as Ryan Poles did. Like there's no truth to these rumors. People jump the gun on social media, and and that's just. Uh, unfortunate that it got to that point, but it doesn't mean that it is the end of the story. So Alan Williams, the saga uh, will continue. Do you have a sense of who the leader in the clubhouse is if they do name uh, somebody on the staff to be the defense coordinator next week.
0: No, I don't. And we didn't get much of a tell of that this afternoon. I know that Matty Refuse multiple times has referenced both John Hoke and Andre Curtis as guys who could who could potentially jump into a, a role like that. I think, as you mentioned a couple minutes ago, I think they just want to get yeah. <laughs> through the game Sunday afternoon in Kansas City and then take that deep breath, get back here to Hallis Hall on Monday and say, okay, what what are we doing going forward here? Because that was obviously a crazy September and now we've got October, November, December and part of January to navigate.
1: And last point on Ellen Williams just to underscore again how unusual it is and how cryptic the communication has been. Tyreek Stevenson, I think spoke to reporters on Thursday afternoon. And at that point, Matt Eberflus had yet to address all the players about what the status was of the defensive coordinator who resigned yesterday. Right. So the, the when the head coach has yet to clarify things for the players, at Hallis Hall, right? It, you can understand why there's so many people outside the building, or maybe who cover the team, still searching
0: for answers
1: and waiting to see what they can and can't report responsibly
0: no i mean it's wild when you get sincere sentiments from players being like we know as much as you guys know you know what (laughs) i mean and 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 at this stage right like this isn't new this is to your point 24 hours old as we're recording and older uh yet as we go forward and 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 so look like again you know stay tuned and and a lot of people are going to be doing a lot of work on this to try to try to get some uh, answers and some some closure to this whole saga
1: So let's move on to the Justin Fields issue. Ryan Poles also wanted to address that because he felt like it was important to recap. Justin Fields talked about uh, the role of being or the role of coaching in making him too maybe robotic or or not as instinctive, and he answered a question about it could be coaching. Ryan Poles wanted to make sure – Everybody knew at Howell's Hall when he addressed the media, Justin Fields is not a finger pointer. This is what one of the answers of, of several. Ryan Poulos didn't talk long, but he did address the Justin Fields issue briefly, and here's what he had to say.
2: In terms of Justin, I can't, even be, I can't be more clear than this. No one in our entire building, none of our coaches, see Justin as a finger pointer at all. He has always taken ownership of anything that's happened on the field. He takes it head on. He works. He grinds. He puts his head down. He works with his teammates, works with his coaches uh, to find solutions. Um, you know, a lot of – everyone well, really, everyone's trying to figure out, like, what what's going on. In my opinion, you got a young quarterback trying to figure it out. So a guy who hasn't had the cleanest start of his career, who last year, you know, with the roster had to put his the team on the back, do some unbelievable things athletically. Now he gets talent around him and has to figure out and balance when to – do those cool things athletically, when to lean on others, and that is a sometimes a great place to live in, and that takes time. That takes time on task for him to take that next step, and everyone's on board helping him get into that place for him to be successful.
1: Ryan Pohl is defending his quarterback and trying to say, you know what, nothing to see here, and I will reserve judgment because I'm not sure if there's nothing to see here. We'll find out as this progresses.
0: Well look I like I I do say in that bite there you hear some consistency with things that we've talked about for a while which is that this quarterback is being asked to go to the next stage of his development maybe uh beyond a comfort zone right which I think is what Justin is trying to figure out here you know you, you heard Ryan say there that there's a gray area there of uh, of trying to learn what's being asked of you what you do naturally well and how to try to kind of to make these strides forward. I think it's been very challenging and very difficult for Justin at this stage to, to struggle through that and then experience the backlash of struggling through that, you know? And so I think what we had on, on Wednesday morning at Hellas Hall was a a quarterback kind of uh, getting some things off his chest. Maybe it was therapeutic. Maybe it was good for him to decompress and get that out into the, 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 whatever, you know, the ether here so that everyone knows what's happening. But now the next step is, is going along with the developmental plan. And I think that's what you hear from Ryan Poles. It's what you hear from Luke Getzey in terms of, Hey, look, like we are trying to push you forward in your development of his, as an nfl quarterback we still want you to do the things that make you special but there is uh, you know some responsibility and some ask here that's going to be challenging you know and i think you heard that in ryan's voice there and and he also understands how hard justin works and and you know how much he wants this and that's all part of this because that does factor into the psychology of of navigating the struggles that are here
1: I'm glad he he said what he said. I'm glad that he spoke up today. I don't think he said a lot, but I think that his appearance was almost as important and his presence in that room behind that microphone as much as anything that he said specifically. So good for Ryan Poles in trying to get out in front of that. Anything else that he said pertaining to polls, I'm sorry, pertaining to fields or to the Alan Williams situation to sit out to you, Dan?
0: Yeah, no, just that Look, like this is this is probably his first big test of crisis management. You know, as you said at the outset, that's part of the GM's role. Um, and I think he, he um, you know, wraps his arms around those duties and those responsibilities and is trying to do his best with it through, uh, obviously, a very challenging situation. And so, um, yeah, again, as we mentioned on our previous emergency pod, this is all fluid, right? And so we'll get an opportunity to see which direction all of this stuff goes in, you know, on Sunday, and then in the in the month and, and and two months beyond that,
1: I think we could have called this an emergency pot, and nobody would have blinked,
0: given the uh, craziness at house all week.
1: So, Luke Getzey was the next big person or decision maker to uh, speak behind the microphone. We wanted to hear what he had to say, obviously. Luke Getzey, I think he's the guy you want to sit next to on a plane when it's going down because, like, hey, you, you want some peanuts? You want some ginger ale? Because, you know, oh, we need to buckle a seatbelt. Nothing here. I mean, this is a guy that's going to downplay everything. And and I like him. He's a very grounded I think, assistant football coach. But I'm not surprised that when he talked about Justin Fields mentioning the need to play freer and the need to do this or that, and and it could be coaching however you want to frame it, I'm not surprised that Luke he said there's nothing to see here.
0: Well, no, and I was going to say uh, to your analogy that, that the plane doesn't even need to be going down to want to sit next to Luke Getze on that plane because I think he is an engaging guy to talk to. I think he yeah. is pretty forthright, um, direct, and honest. You know, I, I don't think that he... Uh, Tells a lot of fibs, or you know, you know, coaching fibs, and and conceals a lot of information. I think he's pretty direct with with what they're dealing with here. And one of the things they're dealing with is a young quarterback, as we just mentioned a minute ago, like trying to figure this out and trying to figure out who's got his best interests in mind, and 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 trying to keep the relationship piece with his coaches, with Matt Eberflus, with Luke Getzey, with Andrew Janoco, strong enough so that they can have these very direct conversations in a way that is no one's defensive, and it's it's like you know here here's what's on the table. Let's sift through it. Let's deal with. With it, and then let's all try to be solution oriented. I think Luke has been very good for Justin in that regard, um, in being kind of that that level-headed voice that that he can lean on uh, when things feel like they're not so level. Um, and now again, like I think that, that, you know, like like Luke highlighted many times on Thursday, the, the strength of their relationship. Well, the next part of this is turning that into production on game days so that everyone can take a deep breath. We mentioned it before a year ago, they found that little spot where they found a spark, you know, and they redesigned the offense a little bit and they turned Justin loose a little bit in the running game and, and, and things freed up so that that exhale was able to come. And then that exhale produced a little bit of comfort and confidence. I think that's needed again here, probably in a different way Uh, But I think you hear Luke kind of uh, alluding to that as he talks about where Justin's at in his headspace and in his play on the field.
1: Let's hear a little bit from Luke Getze. We won't get to all of the audio, but just this comment specifically, because I think as you described well, I mean, this is somebody who I think is grounded and very open about not not feeling like anybody's defensive about what was said. And just this is the state of the Bears and the relationship between the offensive coaches and Justin Fields.
2: No, I think it. I think that's part of the uh, the development part that we're all in the middle of, right? We talk about uh, him getting better every single week, um, and I think there's so many things that you can re- you can reflect on and look at that that you see that. And he's talking about you know, Flus talks about the four to six plays a game that could change the game each week, and I think there's that. You know, those are those moments where when he feels like when we reflect on it, you know, the next day as we're reviewing the film, that he feels like you know, man, I could I could make. I could be that difference and i think that's what he's reflecting on in those moments when he's talking like that and i think that's our job to, to give him those opportunities to do it well and make him feel like he's comfortable in doing that and i think he's starting to get more comfortable with the guys he's playing with right new group of guys and he's starting to do a much better job with that as well
0: David, so one of the things that Ryan Pohl said earlier in the day also that that speaks to a, a lot of the dynamics at play here is that, that Justin's been successful since the day he stepped on a high school football field. And so when you experience failure to the level that the Bears and Justin are experiencing it right now, it's a new thing. You know, and you, you don't have a whole lot of background to draw on, on. This is how I got through the last big storm. And I think Luke acknowledges that as well. I asked him a question later on Thursday about how he manages the the psyche of a guy who is – 24 years old, the face of a charter franchise in the NFL who's in, uh, you know, a a major media market who's uh, overseeing an 0-2 team that hasn't won in 11 calendar months. And there's a lot of weight and pressure that comes with that. So while you're trying to fill X's and O's and game plan information and strategy into a guy, you also have to understand the human element of this and that, you know, like Justin has is carrying a lot of pressure and a lot of weight right now and and it's never been more evident than it has been this week and i just think that's something they're going to have to continue to acknowledge and, and work through because that is a part of the whole thing
1: i also think uh with luke getsy i like the way he answered a question about the implication that you know he goes from coaching aaron Rodgers to coaching a young quarterback and developing him and I, and i don't think he sounded overly defensive to me and i'm curious to get your perspective because You know, he has, and he pointed out, you know, he has coached Division Two. He has coached other quarterbacks that are young and developing. Coaches don't look at it that way. Now, certainly being associated with Aaron Rodgers propped up Luke Getze's profile and maybe enhanced his resume. But I I don't know that that should be held against him. And I, I think of this idea that he's a lousy coach is just as, I think, invalid as last year when we were already say, worried about some people were already <clears throat> worried about him becoming a head coach and leaving Justin Fields in his midst. I think that there's way too many extremes when you're talking about Luke Getzey and he explained well about the differences in, you know, maybe the accomplishment levels of the quarterbacks he coaches, but really he adapts to each player's, you know, performance level and potential. And I think that was a good answer to a tough question.
0: Yeah, well, look, and I think it's a fair question, because I think it may have been Mark Potash who asked it. And I think the the premise was essentially when you've been spent so much time around Aaron Rodgers, who's a four time MVP and one of the all time greats, does what you see through your eyes get clouded on what successful quarterback play has to look like? Because you're used to having this, you know, this picture perfect study in what quarterbacking play is. And then when a guy struggles, it might frustrate you, but it's also like, okay, he's in year three and he doesn't know as much and he's still gaining this library of experiences. Um, So the question was fair. And and to your point, I thought the answer was, was, was fair also. And that, that look like, this is coaching, you know, you coach everybody a little bit different. Uh, You you meet them where they are in their development and you try to push them forward on where you want them to go next. I think the bears have been great at, uh, um, applying the, the 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 right amount of healthy pressure to Justin Fields to try to te- take this next leap, now he's got to make that leap. I don't think it's going to get any easier Sunday in Kansas City. But beyond that, if you can steady yourself enough, if you're 0-3, which I think we're all going to project here in a minute when we get to our predictions, you've got a long season beyond this. And so hopefully, maybe this early mini-buy that they get in October will also help them just take a step back from everything that they've been through and just reset with a focus on improvement rather than sort of that really, really intense urgency to get it done now because we're playing the Packers and oh we got to get a win against the Bucks and oh God, it's the reigning Super Bowl champs. It just feels like there's been a lot of, you know, 105 mile an hour fastballs coming over the plate. And it's some week here you got to get like a an 88 miler that that's right in the sweet spot and you can just hit for a double and, and move forward.
1: Before we get to your numbers game and our predictions, I, I do think there's a little bit more Urgency for Luke Getty to respond sooner rather than later. I would like to see an immediate response to the, to the offensive shifting of, uh, of, whatever Justin Fields was referring to specifically today on Wednesday in terms of being freer and and maybe getting the having the autonomy to tuck and run if the pr- protection breaks down. So maybe six sacks becomes three sacks, and on those three plays where he does keep it because he instinctively maybe. Jumps the gun a little bit, but he gains 12 yards. I hope that those are the results of this kind of mini controversy at House Hall this week. I don't know that it will
0: be, I don't know that I, I could expect to see that. But boy, that would be a welcome sight. Well, sure, and I can't remember if it was Poles or Getze who said that. That look, it was I think it was Poles who said, "Look, like Justin had to carry us a lot last year, and his special gifts athletically were were something that we needed to rely on because of the state of the roster. Well, now the roster is better, and you've got a, a a more complete cast of supporting cast members, and so now you have to strike that balance and learn that healthy balance of okay, when do I I you know do it myself, and when do I get the ball in the hands of these guys that we've brought in to help, and and let them do something." And I, I don't think Justin's there yet. And I think he needs to get there soon because I think that's one of those things that you've heard in the building um, for a matter of months now is, 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 you know, feed the skill is what Matt Eberfuss calls it. You hear players in the locker room, Ram Mooney said it earlier this week, you know, like just get the ball to the playmakers and let us be accountable. If we don't make the play that's on us, but don't, don't feel like you got to do everything yourself. Um, I think that's an important lesson that Justin's got to learn and then apply. Let's get to our numbers game.
1: I know Studs just waiting for his prediction but let's get to a couple of your numbers first before he picks the Bears to upset the Chiefs. <laughs> I'll rattle
0: I'll rattle them off quickly and we'll stay right where we were where we were just now in that last conversation. 3 is the first number. That's the number of rushing yards Justin had uh Sunday afternoon in Tampa. It is the lowest uh single game output he's had since being named the Bears starter. Uh, 3 2021 three rushing yards three rushing yards the other day he had a one-yard touchdown run obviously in the first quarter he had a a five-yard read option gain earlier in that quarter and then beyond that there was a quarterback sweep for minus three and then he was credited for a uh, zero yard nothing basically when that dan feeney snap went wide and he had a dive on it and it was just what it was uh so that one is speaks to the idea that the guy that wants to say f it i would expect it to be more than three on sunday in kansas city
1: that's a good number.
0: I, I I didn't realize it was that low. Okay, what's the next one? 4,791. This is the average passing yards per season of Patrick Mahomes since he became the chief starter in 2018. I repeat, the average number of yards per season by Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes in his five full seasons as a starter. He's also averaged 38 touchdown passes. As you know, those would both be by far his averages his perceiving averages would be by far single season franchise records for the Chicago Bears with Eric Kramer holding those marks with three, 38 38 yards and 29 touchdown passes that is, I, I see the face you're making I think your mind is probably blown as much as mine was reading that oh my gosh that's crazy all right I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with one okay 60
1: 60, since we're speaking of Patrick Mahomes, and this is courtesy of our buddy Jay Kuda on Twitter, or X. Jay Kuda is a great statistician, a guy who comes up with some really cool numbers, and also a friend of the Mullen Haas Show. So he, 60, is the number of passing yards, I'm sorry, number of games that Patrick Mahomes has had more than 320 passing yards (laughs) since he graduated from high school. 60. You compare that with Justin Fields, uno. One, Justin Fields has had one game with 320-plus passing yards since high school. Patrick Mahomes has had 60,
0: so that is quite the disparity. A disparity, and I got another one for you that will speak right along with that. 415.2, that's the average yards per game from 2018 through the end of 2022 of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. The average yards per game. Average yards per game. For a little bit of context and contrast, the Bears, in that same time period, 2018 to the present day, have had six games in which they have even touched 415 yards. The most recent, David, was in week three Of 2021, 437 yards in the Nick Foles-fueled comeback in Atlanta. (laughs) If you remember that, I guess that's 2020. That was 2020. I'm sorry. That That's 20. my God. Was that the
1: Nick Foles play in Atlanta throw to the L throw or whatever it, to the it was. L. Yeah. Anthony throw to Miller. The L. Oh,
0: your guy, Anthony Miller. Anthony right Miller. There. That's I was, I was sold on that in that moment and that, and that part that Anthony Miller was, was ready to break through. He, he had you at hello. Um, all right. Those are good ones. I have one
1: more mean one, unless we're done. Do you have another one?
0: I got one more quick one. Okay. 12 is the number of playoff victories that the chiefs have had under Andy Reid since he came uh, as the coach in 2000. 2013, that's in nine appearances in 10 years. They've only missed the playoffs once under Andy Reid. Since the end of Super Bowl 20. the Bears only have six playoff wins oh, in 12 appearances. So chew on that.
1: That might be even meaner than mine. My number is two, which is the number of doinks Cody Parkey's <laughs> field goal attempt had when Matt Nagy was the head coach the last time the Bears were in a position to win a playoff game. And that set Matt Nagy reeling and his regime tumbling downs and Matt Nagy is
0: what who we'll see on the opposite sideline. I wish him well. He's a good guy. He's easy to like. I but mean, come on. Think about this, though, and I'm working on this for my game snapshot for the weekend of this game. With all that's gone on at Hallis Hall this week, we haven't had a second to even address the idea that the former Bears coach and the former coach of the year, Matt Nagy, is calling plays for the Chiefs. Like, no one has even even talked about it. I don't know. Like, I haven't even watched Matt's weekly presser in Kansas City yet to see if he's acknowledged it. But that, that's the kind of week it's been here at Hallis Hall. It's been like story 75 on the list of things to get to.
1: I think he answered a question on what it's like to coach a young quarterback and, okay. and et cetera. Etc. cetera, but uh, as I said on the radio, and I think it remains true, the Kansas City Chiefs are really the least of the Bears' problems this week. So Matt Nagy, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, I, I mean, I can't, even, I, I can't even – I haven't even been able to pay attention to what he said about Taylor Swift this week, so I'm barely
3: <laughs> bummed. So, all right, let's bring in studs to make our predictions. All right, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, uh, no, I'm not picking the Bears this week. It might actually come as a surprise to you guys like there's even if the Bears didn't have all this going on, you weren't going to be picking them. Even if they won their first two games, you're not going to be picking them. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's the Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. Now, the one path to victory I think the Bears have is the fact that is so can you guys confirm this for for me? Does Matt Nagy call plays for the Chiefs? Because I've been I've not been able to figure this out for sure.
1: I think so. I mean, offensive coordinator. Maybe it's a collaborative thing. That's
3: a good well, question, and maybe it's just Andy Reid. But I would think that he does. Because I know in the like they keep Andy Reid seems to go back and forth on whether he's calling plays or not. So, well, either way, uh, path to victory is Matt Nagy. Matt, Matt Nagy's touched on that offense so far. It hasn't been a good start for Kansas City. I know Travis Kelsey's been hurt, and that's that was a big problem for them, especially in Week One. But you know, even against the Jags last week, especially in the first half, they looked really off on offense so i i think though however and maybe this is me manifesting this everything that's happened this week this team just needs to play a damn game and get away from everything and hopefully that drives them forward a little bit makes them play better than they have been and they keep it close so i think i'd show i think on the score website i put i said like 30 to 10 chiefs so I do I think I think this is the kind of game where the Bears maybe get up early and have some momentum and then the P- Chiefs are just like, oh yeah, we can just win this not game much momentum, like- <laughs> thirty to ten. How much are you talking? He said, he said they're gonna keep it close and then he hit he hit us with that. Oh no, no. oh sorry, I meant to say thirty to twenty. 30. Oh okay. Thirty to twenty, okay. okay. My bad. My bad. Good. Twenty
1: yeah, points yeah. is pretty
0: much on brand for this offense. Yeah, thirty to All right. twenty. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I've got thirty-four for the Kansas City Chiefs, thirteen for the Chicago Bears. We talk about Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey a lot justifiably so. This Chiefs defense is playing really, really well. They've allowed two touchdowns and 23 points for the first two games of the season. Chris Jones is back. Uh, George Karloftis presents a little bit of a difficulty. Steve Spagnolo is exactly uh, in a different form what Todd Bowles can be to young quarterbacks in terms of understanding where are the pressure points and how do we make a, a, a young dude who's not feeling it real well right now uncomfortable. And so I think it's going to be a long afternoon again for Justin Fields in the offense and the Chiefs are going to yawn their way. Way to a 21 point win
1: all the attention on justin fields and what he said and what he said about coaching and taking out of context and blah 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 it, it, it obscured the fact that number one he's right he was exactly right so he's got to be freer maybe he will score some points because of that but not enough and and by the way the chiefs defense pretty good bears defense terrible and I just don't think, see that changing. And I think against Patrick Mahomes, they're going to do what they want. The Bears are distracted. They'll be playing tough for a quarter and a half. Chiefs 37, Bears 24. I don't even know. I just so happens that that's right around what the spread is. I'm not really doing that on purpose. But I just can't see the Bears uh, holding the Chiefs down in any way, shape, or form. And I just think that offensively, 24 points seems like an explosion but I think at some point the Chiefs defense might just get bored. Okay. So if
3: the Bears cover, I'm taking a, I'm taking a win. That's what we're saying here. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's just what you're I saying. I'm, I'm the only one that took them to cover, right? Okay. Right. Yes.
1: right. Yeah. All right. Good stuff on the predictions, and let's move on to our next segment. Talking about, Dan, you took some shots this week. You took some <laughs> shots uh, on Pro Football Talk from Mike Florio. Um, I'll start – here, the, the tweet you referenced in our last podcast that got some people unhappy, um, you own that. Uh, I think it's, people have overreacted to that. I defended you this morning on our Twitch stream. I really believe that the word coaching was the one that set things off. Justin Fields introduced that to the equation. And and guys out, are out there about talking about wanting clicks. I think it's not real uh, fair and it doesn't consider your experience level. Um, I have your back. I respect Mike Florio. He's a tremendous guest every week on the Mullian Haw show and will continue to be. But um, I would push back a little bit and say that, you know, he's, he's picking on the wrong guy. And you, you're not somebody who takes things out of context. And you're the most responsible person that I know on that beat. And um, I uh, I don't think you did anything that I wouldn't have done myself.
0: I appreciate your support, as always. Um, you're a great teammate and always have been. I would say this the next time you have Mike on, just ask him if he is uh, aware of the irony of, of, of accusing me of doing things for clicks. I mean, the entire existence of Pro Football Talk was based upon taking things, aggregating it, and putting the the uh, the, the flashiest headline you possibly could on it so people would click on it. So I take exception to that. Um, I will say this, that, that – I, have, I don't know if I've said this on the air here, um, I know I've expressed it to, to people in the media room here that uh, there have been a dozen tweets in the last three or four months that I have deleted before sending, because I, I say to myself, if I put this out in Twitter, it's going to cause a problem, right? Or it's gonna cause a firestorm that's not intentional. And so what I do is I'll just write down the sentiments of those tweets on a, on, a, on a piece of paper and say, next time I'm on with David and Mully in the morning, I'll just bring up this point here, or I'll say it on the Take the North podcast. You can say things in these forums and they, they somehow are less flammable than when you put them in Twitter and they're there. One of the things that I said a couple times today was, look, by the time Justin did his second media availability with with uh, reporters, I had already put out the entire story that fully contextualized what he had said. I had already put out a long tweet thread that that contextualized everything he said. So it was there, but everyone clung to that one tweet, and that's kind of the dangerous social media these days. Dan Bernstein, uh, who I thought was really good on this topic on the day that everything was occurring on Wednesday, said on the air that Justin had castrated his offensive coordinator and laid the, his balls at his feet. Okay, right, like so. So that sentiment wasn't solely something that I believe that that Justin had bit the pin off the grenade and rolled it in the room. Dan just said it on the air and it was said and it evaporated into the ether. And a lot of other people said things and it just evaporated in the ether. But the tweet stays there and the tweet somehow gains traction and it gains this this life that it wasn't intended to gain. And, and I think that's part of where this this thing got away. Again, I owned it uh, in our last episode I'll own it again here I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Justin today he wasn't in the locker room uh, during the open period I'd like to talk to him about it on Friday just to, to set things straight I probably will reach out to, to to Ryan Poles as well just to to uh you know sound a couple things out on that end but that, it's a weird dynamic right where you can express a thought and like if you took if you took Dan Bernstein's quotes and put them in a tweet you know number one it would have taken on a life of its own and also what I think did was was reiterated what the point was was man this was an Public forum. The the quarterback um, said something about his head being overflowing with coaching that is uh, forcing him to play robotic. So that wasn't made up. None of this was concocted. And I just think, like, I, I'll say this: the last thing I'll say, and I'll turn it back to you, and thank you for letting me rant, is that if I have the power to set the narrative for the national football conversation i am a much more powerful human being than i ever realized i mean my goodness if one tweet of mine can change the entire narrative of of the country and how they're talking about the bears i I, like that's just mind-blowing to me and i just think it's a reach well i
1: also think that while people complain about the context i think you stated that well i think that the context of the response needs to be there too you consider the source whenever you are Uh, evaluating how much validity to put to something or how much to criticize somebody's report or tweet. The power of social media is such that it may be a smaller audience, but it has a wider reach just because of the amount of times that it gets repeated or aggregated. And I think that's the danger of social media. But you did repackage it, and you did uh, go, and, and you were very complete. You also referenced what Dan said on the air, on the score, what other people felt who have been around NFL teams in NFL markets like Chicago for a very long time. I've been here 20 years. When I heard him say that, I don't care if he included could-be coaching. I knew exactly what it meant. I knew exactly what the response would be. And I can guarantee you that people in the building interpreted it the same way regardless of what was said publicly because you know that it's taboo for a quarterback to even imply that he's being overcoached or he's got a problem with the play calling, or whatever it is in this world that we live in. The NFL is so dominant. Everything matters. And so when the quarterback of the Chicago Bears in the NFL's third largest market alludes to coaching as being part of the problem, keeping him back and impeding his progress, it's a major story. And if you want to refer to it as a major story, uh, a, a grenade or the tip of the iceberg or picking a scab, however you want to word it, it's all true and valid, so that's all we have
0: to say about it. I think it's time to move on. I'm, I'm, well, one more thing. I'm going to read you one text I got at twelve thirteen the day that this all happened, uh, unsolicited from someone elsewhere in the league who uh, said this. That was absolutely stunning. Enjoy writing that one up today. I couldn't believe all the tweets, and so I went to the Bears live stream and had the same reaction you did.
1: I don't think it's that unusual to have that reaction just based on experience. I think people will pick their spots and – and take their shots, and then we're still going to be here. So, well done. Let's get to our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Again, uh, regarding other injuries, other people hit missing the game or in danger of missing the game, we haven't
0: talked about that as much. What do you think? Lucas Patrick back from illness at practice today, so he looks like he's ready to go. Uh, Larry Borm seems to be the, the next man up at left tackle, at least initially, as they try to sort that, that stuff out. Still no Eddie Jackson at practice. Big loss, obviously, in a week where you're going to face one of the greatest quarterbacks who has ever played the game. Um, and so that that's kind of in a nutshell where they're at as they walk into to Arrowhead on Sunday.
1: Quick reaction to Devin White for the Buccaneers on Buccaneers.com. A little video clip saying to DJ Moore during the game. They're not using you right. They're not using you the right way. A five or six second clip uh, that is could be one of those things that has a few legs. What was your reaction to it?
0: Well, look, they used DJ Moore much better uh, in week two than they did in week one. And they're going to continue to get him involved. And Justin's going to have to continue to get involved. And Luke's going to have to continue to get involved. He had 104 yards, right? And then, you know, like this guy can be a hundred yard machine no matter who's playing quarterback with him as he proved in Carolina. So uh, I think they'll, they'll figure it out. It's more more fodder for people to chew on in terms of, uh, you know, just the, the Bears are just they're, – they're a punching bag right now, and they've got to get themselves out of that section of the sporting goods store.
1: A couple broadcast questions. It is the national game of the week. <laughs> it's got a 325 kickoff. Are we going to have to sit through Patrick Mahomes going, on. Two, three, four, counting down to where the Bears, uh, where he was drafted and the
0: Bears passed on him again, like we did the last time. I think they were on national TV. He showed them that 10 piece, I think is what Frank Clark said the night that that happened. I actually wrote at length for my Storylines piece on Friday morning at ChicagoTribune.com about 2017. Believe that. Here we are again revisiting the 2017 draft. Uh, Josh Lucas was recently on uh, ESPN 1000 and uh, for the first time, sort of publicly owned up to the Bears' misevaluation of Patrick Mahomes in that draft. My, my premise leading into the storyline is what happens if uh, Ryan Pace's worst fears had actually come true and somebody had traded above? the Bears in 2017 and gotten that number two pick and and done what Ryan didn't want him to do and they had taken Mitch Trubisky and the Bears would have been quote unquote stuck with Patrick Mahomes what would that have been like and so that's kind of the premise of revisiting that a little bit and then hearing from Josh in, in, in regards to the Bears brass believing that Mitch Trubisky had the higher floor, even if he had the lower ceiling with the defense that they were putting together, they felt more comfortable going that way. And obviously, in retrospect, it was the wrong decision. uh, And Patrick Uh, Mahomes will face them again uh, on Sunday.
1: But at least it's an explanation. I give him credit for supplying that. We never really had that before, did we? I mean, all we had basically was they they fell in love with his car and his dinner reservations (laughs) and then they had to draft the guy.
0: No, and yeah, I mean there was a lot more to it. Yeah, than that, I know. Obviously, I know. But, I'm summarizing. Um, but look, like yeah, I mean this is this is interesting, you know, and and, and so this is a, a a situation now where I think most people in the league uh, dismiss the premise that some have that Patrick Mahomes would have faltered as a Chicago Bear. Even Josh Lucas shot that down and said the dude is transcendent. Uh, he would have been a star pretty much anywhere he went.
1: Last thing this whole week of Bears News at House Hall has the makings of being lyrics for the next Taylor Swift song. But how long do you think it goes before Travis Kelsey is referred to by the broadcast crew and a Taylor Swift reference is made for all of us Swifties out there? 1132 first quarter. OK, <laughs> I think that's a good one. I think and they'll show a picture of Matt Nagy and everyone in Chicago. We say we are never, ever, ever getting back together. And then
0: they'll run Oompa Loompa from the four. And then it'll be all, everything will tie together. It'll be one big storyline. So anything else before we get out of here? No, looking forward to getting out to Kansas City this weekend. Always a fun town. Obviously with the NFC-AFC matchups, we only get there uh, every eight years. So it's been since 2015 since the Bears played there. Uh, Great town really good college football slate on Saturday afternoon so I'm looking forward to having some some fun on Saturday and then sleeping in because we got that 325 kickoff as you mentioned
1: don't be surprised if Notre Dame upsets Ohio State in South Bend a Notre Dame moment waiting to happen wouldn't shock me doesn't surprise me that you're predicting that (laughs) I, I just think it could be one of those games but we'll wait and see and we'll get back together on Sunday night after the Bears and the Chiefs game our quick reactions to the Bears and the Chiefs from Arrowhead. For Adam Sadzinski, our producer, for Dan Weider and in the Hallis Hall Coke Closet, I'm David Haw at NBC Sports Chicago. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast and watching uh, on the 670 Sports YouTube page. We will talk to you on Sunday night. What a week. Great talk. See you out there.